Hello, Horror Fanatics. I'm Frank. And I'm Jen, and we welcome you to our weekly podcast, Oh! oh the Horror! The Horror! Thank you for joining us as we dive deep into all things horror, supernatural, scary, and downright creepy. If you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe or follow to add us to your regular rotation of podcasts. You can also submit any ideas, comments, and suggestions to our email address at oth at seriouslydecent.com. You can check out our website, ohthehorrorpodcast.com. Check out our whole catalog. Sure. Connect to your uh, social media, mm-hmm. our social media presence. Mm-hmm. All that good jazz. Mm-hmm. Mm. Quite a weekend. Yeah. 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 Nice. Yep, yep, yep. Good to see the fam. Yup. Yup. Reconnect with some folks. Yup. Weather was fantastic. Oh, you know. 70s, I breeze, love, sunny. It's the breeze. Yeah. You know, if it's going to be hot, fine, whatever. But that breeze that blows through and like just for a second it's not as hot makes it a little more comfortable a little more bearable i love that the canada forest fire smoke is going in a different path because as someone with asthma it makes it challenging especially uh, to be outside and it's been a rough month and enjoy yourself yeah yeah. yeah, no. It's, um, yeah, I think also what was big about yesterday, today as well, low humidity. Yes. You know, and that's huge. Uh, you get low humidity is. with a it breeze, is. and you're banging on all cylinders yes. right there. I already have a hard time breathing, yeah. and with humidity, it's like yeah, breathing through fruit salad. That's mud with a say. straw. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. Big that fan. Good time. Big fan. <laughs> good times. Yeah. So here we are, season three. Yes. Episode 133. Ah! Right? Yeah, huh? How about right? that? Yeah. Musicians and plane crashes. Yeah. Because, you know, we like to talk about all those fun, happy, shiny. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you don't want to fly in a plane after listening to this, um, I don't, I don't blame you. I don't blame you, but they all kind of have a pattern. Yeah. To they, some degree. They do. You know, do. Um, besides crashing. Yes. You know, I mean, <laughs> crashing is the big. I mean, it, it definitely that's, is. That's it's, the pattern that jumps out. The key identifier yeah, here. That's yeah. the one that jumps out. But yes. uh, but there's some other patterns here. Definitely. Definitely. And, um, you know, this is something I think that you go through in your life if you're end music, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't really add it all up. Right. And then someone or something points it out to you and you're yeah. like, yeah, you know what? There are a lot of musicians that died in plane crashes. There was a list. Or not even died, just yeah. in plane crashes. There were know. 43, 43 musicians that had some sort of plane crash. Aviation accident or incident, <laughs> you know, yeah. Yes. But, you know, you take a step back from it in a yeah. second and you say, you know what? That's their primary mode of transportation. So, you, yes. so you're running. This is risk. This is what yes, happens. You're with increasing risk. your risk, yeah. which you are increasing your odds that something bad couple that, could happen. Couple that with a carefree attitude. Yes. Which is a lot of this here. Yeah. 
um, the lack of respect of certain procedures and protocols and rules. Yes. You know, which mm-hmm. that's what we love about musicians is they don't play by the rules. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to flying, that's kind of important. Yeah. Aviation. Like there's a checklist. Aviation in general yeah. is not a kind of loosey-goosey rule Yeah, thing. that's not where you want to roll your dice. Yeah, you don't like, want to be Do loosey. we have enough fuel to get yeah. from point A to point B? Well, maybe you don't roll the dice on that because yeah. it's not like you can stop mid-flight and fuel up. It's not like there's a gas station in the sky. Yeah. Or if it's foggy, you know, I hear it's going to clear up later. Oh, it's going to be fine you on know, the other side. Yeah. You know, how many hours you got? Oh, I just got my license, you know. And this, no, just personal planes, but we'll do a jet. It's fine. Yeah, it's you know, fine. Yeah. They're yeah. all the same. <laughs> you know, you learned one, you've learned them all. Yeah, yeah, I guess. It's, uh, yeah, I, I'd like to get into that if we if we have time. Mm-hmm. Um, I know here we'll probably just do the hour. You know, oh, I don't go. know. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. You have novel things, but I do. I have I do. an F one race I got to watch too. Oh, wow. You know, yes. Okay. Sorry, listeners. But... <laughs> Sources. Yeah. Let's get into this then, because yeah. there are other more important pressing things that need to be tended to. Sure. Uh, a SeattleTimes.com article, mm-hmm. TheThings.com article, and then I just use several random internet sources just to. You know, yeah, that's, to nitpick a little here and there. That's what I used as well. Yeah. Um, I'm not really going to get into the nitty gritty of sources because this isn't a kind of argumentative thing that we would normally do, mm-hmm. like talking about a cult or, right, yeah, you know, yeah. some sort yeah. of no, the, the conspiracy are the theory or something are like the that. Details. Yeah. Like if you want to yeah. contest this, you can just. I mean, grab a go site, ahead, you know. but. Yeah. And this is where pretty much everyone bites off everyone dead else because it's Dead people are dead people. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know. <laughs> Turns out, yeah. like, you can't bring them back. That's true. But there are a lot. There are a there lot. There are anywhere, any kind of list that you look at, you're going to find anywhere in the neighborhood of, like, 36 to 45 yep. confirmed kills. <laughs> <laughs> um, Airplanes. Yeah. 45. And this Musicians. spans... Zero. <laughs> yeah, and this spans throughout time. Yes, This yes. isn't something that was, like, the decade of, My- say... First the 60s one or 70s is or from 80s or whatever. You know, yeah. yeah. You know, well, who's that? Buddy Holly? No. Or no, Glenn Glenn Miller. Glenn Miller. Yeah. So, I mean, we that. did we did bring up the fact that these guys have hectic tour schedules. Mm-hmm. They go to sometimes remote places, mm-hmm. and because of that, they are increasing their their risk. Yeah. And let's get into Who's, who's risky and who's not? Exactly. <laughs> so December 15th, 1944, Glenn Miller, the trombonist and leader of a hugely popular dance band, was killed when his plane disappeared between England and Paris while Miller was entertaining the troops. So on the day he went missing, December 15th, 1944, Miller, an Army major, is believed to have boarded a UC-64A Norseman in Bedfordshire, England, as a passenger. The plane was bound for France, where Miller was planning a performance for Allied troops. Long overlooked military documents indicate the small plane in which Miller was likely traveling when he disappeared in 1944 probably crashed in the English Channel after fuel intakes froze, Mm -hmm. according to Dennis Sprague, a senior consultant by the Glenn Miller Archive at the University of Colorado, Boulder. 
Quote, the icing took three forms, engine icing, carburetor icing, and induction ice, Sprague says. And that's the kind of ice that forms on the fuel tanks and fuel lines leading, um, feeding fuel to the engine, which essentially renders it moot, becomes a block, Mm -hmm. and it just falls. June 30th, 1954, gospel singers. Hold on. So here we're going to start going on the theme. Yep. Of like with Glenn Miller. Mm-hmm. He had previous flights that were canceled. Right. And you're not going to believe why. Bad weather. Wow. Yeah. Really? Yeah, it was bad weather. No. Yeah. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah. This might be a one-off. Okay. Maybe? This Yeah. And this okay. list of people, this might be a one-off. Okay. But I'm just, I'm going to start the tone. Okay. With, uh, he had many flights that were canceled. Bad weather. Proceed. Okay. <laughs> So June 30th, 1954, gospel singers R.W. Blackwood and Bill Lyles died when the group's private plane crashed in Clanton, Alabama. February 3rd. Was that bad weather? I didn't didn't didn't, get in it. See, I really only pulled up extra details on the people that I knew Mm -hmm. everyone would know. So February 3rd, 1959, rock stars... Buddy Holly, J.P., the Big Bopper, Richardson, and Richie Valens were killed when their chartered plane crashed near Mason City, Iowa, en route to a show. And this, this is like the famous one that this most people This was called The Day the Music Died. Yeah. They were headed to their next stop on their tour. They were traveling in midwinter, and it was absolutely freezing. Mm-hmm. The tour was miserable and was not routed for efficiency or safety. Before what they... They would know would be their last performance. Their bus broke down on an icy highway, and they were stranded in the northern Wisconsin forest. They ended up making it to Clear Lake, but their next stop was Moorhead. This would have been a 365-mile bus ride, with tour members getting frostbite, sick, and dirty clothes combined with not getting good sleep. They decided to take a plane. Yeah, there was like one guy who got frostbite on his toes because the tour buses. So you got to take a step back in this. This is what I love when I hear musicians complain now. Yes. Like, you yeah. know, in the complaints they have. Yeah. These are all legends. Yeah. Like, this isn't like guys just there starting. There are songs written about these guys dying. No, I know. But what I'm getting at is, is at this time, these people were legends. It's not like they were coming up. No. It's not like they were trying to get no. established. They were not Legends. And, and they're they... freezing to death yes. on a tour bus. Yeah. This is why I can't handle today's musicians that, you know. Yes. yes. Oh, my God. Check I didn't, your privilege. I didn't get my rider straight. They messed up they my rider. They didn't have my Purple M&M's. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. that's because they don't exist. Yeah. <laughs> M&M's has to make them for you. Yes. You know, sorry yes. they didn't today. You know. Super sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. Totes your fault, though. No, it's amazing, though. Yeah. I, I, I found it incredible that these are legends and they're freezing on a tour bus. Uh, yeah. You know. Like, you couldn't. Th- what? There was no heat? <laughs> yeah. But no, this is the, like the pressure they have to make yeah. gigs and all yep. that other stuff. Yep. Even at this status, yes, you know, and yeah. the, the the higher they get, the more people that come, the more money mm-hmm. that's involved, yeah. the more commitments. It's all about the money. So the more places they can get them, and, and they yeah. don't necessarily pay attention. Like they aren't necessarily looking at the schedule, and they're like, "Oh, well, the no. next closest place is this no. place." No. So we'll Here's just a make money that the next. 
here's a money next, opportunity. We'll yeah, exactly. do this. So, so you there's just make like that happen. zigzagging all across yeah, the yeah, the country because. Yeah. So yeah, so this is reading when, is hard. Yeah, so this is when you know, hey, the bus sucks because the weather's so terrible. Let's Maybe take it's a better plane. up or in the air. Yeah. Maybe it's better up what there. What could go wrong? Yeah. Inclement can't, weather. Can't be colder. Yeah. Except, well, maybe, yeah, yeah, probably is. Yeah. Yeah, but no, but yeah. Yeah, but no, but yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, but no, but. <laughs> March 5th, yeah. 1963. And this is this is the one that hit the hardest for my dad. Yeah. Country singer Patsy Cline, yeah. whose hits include Crazy, and She's Got You, and fellow singers Cowboy Copas and uh Hawkshaw Hawkins died in a plane crash near Camden, Tennessee. The iconic country singer died in a plane crash while flying back to Nashville from a show in Kansas City, Kansas. Klein scored her first hit, Walking After Midnight, my personal favorite, mm-hmm. in 1957, after two years of releasing records that did not chart. She endured several more years of records that stiffed before she scored her second hit in 1961, with I Fall to Pieces, also a favorite, which gave Klein her first number one single in 1961. The singer's career was nearly derailed by a terrible car crash that took place on June 14, 1961, when she and her brother Sam were involved in a head-on collision in Nashville that threw Klein into the windshield. Klein spent a month in the hospital after suffering injuries, including a broken wrist, dislocated hip, and a jagged cut across her forehead that required stitches. Determined to continue her career, Klein was back on stage at the Grand Ole Opry shortly afterward, performing on crutches, according to the PBS program American Masters. Yeah, everybody thinks Dave Grohl was the only one that did that. Yeah. You know, Klein was still of course on, that was on stage when that Still on crutches that. when she returned to the studio to record Crazy, written by a young Nashville songwriter, who you may know and recognize, mm-hmm. Willie Nelson. Yeah. The song reached number two, and she subsequently scored another number one hit in She's Got You. That was before he started smoking weed. Yep. Just kidding. <laughs> Klein landed two more hits in 1962 with When I Get Through With You and So Wrong, which turned out to be some of the final hits of her lifetime. Yeah. July. So, Go ahead. So that whole flight, mm-hmm. just keep a trend going here. Mm-hmm. Um, they spent the night at the uh, townhouse, uh, townhouse Motor Hotel. Wow. I better hope I uh, keep Easy for you to say. You wanted to say that three times fast? Townhouse Motor Hotel. Townhouse Motor Hotel. Townhouse Motor Hotel. Yay! Wow. We did a round of applause. Nice. <laughs> so it was unable to fly out uh, the day after the concert because the airport was fogged in. Weird. So they asked uh, Patsy to ride in the car with her and her husband, Bill, back to Nashville, eight-hour drive. Mm-hmm. Klein refused, saying, don't worry about me, Hoss. When it's time, when it's my time to go, it's my time. And on March 5th, she called her mother from the motel, checked out at 12.30 p.m., going the short distance to the airport and boarding a Piper PA-24 Comanche plane. Small plane. Yes. Um, they were aboard... And the plane stopped in um, Rogers, Arkansas to refuel mm-hmm. and uh, landed in uh, Dyersburg, uh, Tennessee. Uh, Hawkins had accepted Billy Walker's place after Walker left on the commercial flight. So there was some shifting uh, to take care of a stricken family member. Mm-hmm. Dodged a bullet there, yeah. boy. 
And then uh, the airfield manager, okay, so let's put this in context. Yeah. The airfield manager suggested they stay the night because of high winds and inclement weather. Weird. Inclement weather again. Yeah. Huh. Offering them free rooms and meals. Yeah. No yep. cost, yep. just time. But Hughes, who was not trained in instrument flying, by the way, said, I've already come this far. We'll be there before you know it. And they take off. And um, they crashed in the heavy weather. And, uh, yeah, the rest is history. So you could say he was so wrong. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Understatement think, of the I year. Think Patsy said it yeah. best when she uh, said he was so wrong. Yeah. Yeah. July 31st, 1964, Jim Reeves, a country balladeer known for four walls and welcome to my world, was crashed, uh, was killed in the crash of a small plane in Nashville, Tennessee. He was 39 years old and himself and a companion were found dead in the wreckage of the private single engine plane 10 miles south. Mr. Reeves' body was identified from a driver's license taken from the wreckage. The other victim was believed to be Mr. Reeves' pianist and road man, uh, manager, Dean Manuel, 30. The plane crashed on a return trip from Batesville, Arkansas. John Kane, a Tennessee highway patrolman, said the plane was demolished. The engine was partly buried. The plane crashed in a wooded area just off of US 31, and there was some evidence of fire in mm. the wreckage. Mm. Went down in a blaze of glory, one could say. I guess so. That was so wrong. December 10th, 1967. What, too soon? Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> Soul singer Otis Redding died mm. when his plane crashed into a lake near Madison, Wisconsin. When he left his final recording session in Memphis, Otis Redding intended to return soon to the song he'd been working on. He still had to replace a whistled verse thrown in as a placeholder with additional lyrics that he'd yet to write. In the meantime, however, there was a television appearance to make in Cleveland, followed by a concert in Madison, Wisconsin. On its final approach to Madison on December 10th, 1967, the plane, the private plane carrying Redding would crash into the frigid waters of a small lake three miles short of the runway, killing seven of the eight men aboard, including Redding. Yeah. Most known for sitting on the back of the dock the, of the bay. The back of the bay. Back of the day. <laughs> the uh, the bar K's, uh, a lot of members of the bar K's were on that. Uh, plane. That's a big, uh, that's a really good funk band. If you're into funk music, yeah. Yeah, Bar K's is worth your time. That's, uh, again, weather was poor that day. Yes. Heavy rain and fog. Despite warnings, plane took off. Yep. Yep. And so I see a trend here. That song he was working on mm -hmm. was sitting on the dock of the bay. Yeah. And was released in its unfinished form several weeks later with. The whistled verse, a seemingly indispensable part of yeah. the now classic no, song. Huge. And it would become history's first posthumous number one hit and the biggest pop hit of Redding's career. I know. That's the sad part of that yeah. whole situation there. You have this guy who like goes through life, yep. this whole struggle yep. as a musician, mm -hmm. you know, and 
all of a sudden this event takes place and the peak of your career is past you. Yeah. You know, it's yes, after you're gone. It's amazing. That's, you know, oh, it's horrible. Yeah. And I can't even imagine being like family members and, oh, and things like that. Seriously. That are, like going through that and realizing like how big of a thing that is. And then you have all these people that are celebrating the song. Yeah. But yeah, here's this loss. And not and knowing. Like, what a juggle of yeah. uh, like emotions there. It's got to be crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not great. No. Again, these aren't the happiest stories of July. <laughs> you know. Why did we do this? Because it's oh the horror. <laughs> you know. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's oh the horror. <laughs> and me, I can find a joke in anything. I'm 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 certain of that. <sighs> Next one up. September 20th, 1973, yep. singer Jim Croce, known for hits such as Bad Bad Leroy Brown, yeah. was killed in a plane crash near Natchitoches, Louisiana. Croce wrapped up the recording sessions and was nearing the end of his tour when tragedy struck. Following a gig at Northwestern State University in Natchitoches, Croce boarded a small chartered plane to travel to his next show in Sherman, Tennessee. Sadly, the plane never made it much past the runway. No. <laughs> and what was later described as a pilot error, the Beechcraft E-18S failed to clear a pecan tree while taking off and crashed. All six people aboard were killed, including Croce, his guitarist Maury Muleson, comedian George Stevens, manager booking agent Kenneth D. Cortos, or Cortosa, road manager Dennis Rast, and pilot Robert N. Elliott. Yeah, so what Dude, this was... Dude, you hit a tree. Yeah. Like, so how the do you, tree's not moving. How do, you, how do you hit a tree right during takeoff? Yeah. I know the answer to this one. Yeah? You ready? Mm-hmm. Downwind takeoff mm-hmm. into severe darkness with fog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Inclement weather again. I just... You know. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Like I said in the beginning, when the greatest thing about musicians is they throw the rules away. The worst thing about musicians is they throw the rules away. I guess. You know, because it works creating a song and maybe looking at a moment in time and creating like a, a snapshot photograph of the moment, you know, and doing that with songs, you know. But like huh. I said, like flying, like there's rules there in aviation. I mean, there really there's are. There's a lot you of rules. You can't change the weather. And they're there for your benefit. Like they're there yeah. for you. Yeah. You know, this 50-point checklist, this is going to take 45 minutes, Chuck. Skip it. Let's just fuel up and get the hell out of Fuck here. It. Let's just go. Yeah. And then they're in Feels flying. Feels good. Hey, why is the cabin on fire? Yeah. Oh, that was thir- step 32 on the checklist, you know. Are we on fire? Yeah, yeah. Yes? Don't take off. Well, no. You find <laughs> out you're on fire, and what started the fire was step 32 on the checklist. <laughs> you know, now it probably would have been cool to spend 45 minutes doing that. Yeah. Um, you know, hindsight being 2020. Yeah. No, like, it's just. Oh, wait. It's just amazing there's reading a these. Reason. Like, there's, I was so glad we were doing this. You mentioned to do this, and I yeah. was like, I'm all in. Yes. Because to me, like, I see the narrative here where it's like, it's tragic of all these crashes. They are. 
you know, like many of them great, preventable. Great minds lost. Yes. Um, just about ninety nine point nine percent of them totally preventable. And and not even for like terrible reasons. Like, yeah. hey, you shouldn't fly today. Oh no, it's sunny out. Like, it's like Patsy, you dodged a bullet with a car crash, mm-hmm. and it's not like she didn't get severely hurt in it. Yeah, well, you see, that's the problem though, because like Is I that remember where you get the oh, I'm so, invincible. So when I was in um, the hospital, mm-hmm. we'll keep it generic. There. After the incident, you know. <laughs> Yeah. That caused you to go to the hospital. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we'll okay. leave it right there. So we're at that. in the hospital. And I had a long stay there. Scene. Hospital. <laughs> Backdrop. Pain. Um, so I'm, I'm in with this guy. I'm in with this guy. And um, I might have told this story before. The guy that got ran over by the, the farm tractor? No. 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 I didn't tell this story? No. All right. I would remember somebody getting run over by a tractor. All right. Especially a farm tractor. Okay. So I'm debating on how much. You know what? I'm going to be an open book. Okay. All right. So I had, uh, because because I get harsh on this topic, and I think this would be a good reason to bring it up, because I think I have some authority on it. Okay. I had some really big problems with depression. Mm-hmm. Huge problems with depression, yes. and uh, I was seeking out therapy mm-hmm. at the time, first time. Um, this is early twenties, maybe late teens, early twenties. Graduated high school. Yeah. I'm not, I'm past high school, so yeah, early twenties, and uh, you know, just really having a hard time understanding relationships, managing relationships, and mm-hmm. you know, just wasn't really emotionally capable to handle. Any of that stuff didn't have the tools, and yeah. uh, parents were divorced. Um, I got out of high school. My kind of college aspirations evaporated yeah. all around me, and and I was really, really down and hard on myself. Mm-hmm. It was a really, really dark time. I was lost. I had no direction. I had really no one around me that was kind of I could lean on, right, with some like guidance and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm winging it at early twenties, and I'm failing terribly mm-hmm. at all of it. There's not one facet other than my friends who were great, you know. Right, yeah. Um, that was always a constant in my life. Thank God. Yeah. You know, because who knows what would have. <laughs> right. So I'm I'm in therapy and I'm taking Zoloft and I and I hated Zoloft because it made me a zombie. Yeah. I couldn't stand the drug at all. I couldn't stand the medication. I liked the therapy. Right. The therapy was nice because like I'm talking about things and I'm right. getting into and things. And you're learning and, how to work through stuff well i'm trying yeah you know I, I i don't know if i'll be bold enough to say i'm learning but but at this point i think my life is terrible right and i think it's horrible and i'm considering ending it mm-hmm. you know i'm i i'm throwing some plans in my mind and mm-hmm. you know and the one thing that really kind of stopped me was just the the pain i would cause around everyone around me again right. that's yeah. why like friends are yeah you know, for someone who's going through depression, just be friends with them and right. be dependable yeah. and yeah. and be a good person. You'd be surprised at mileage that'll that'll, that'll give, give you. you. Yeah. You know, and it's not your fault if something bad happens either. Right. You know, not to say that, but so I realize I'm in deep and I'm thinking of ending everything. And uh, I had this emotional outburst at the house. No one's home, and uh, I'm smashing everything. I'm just there's shit everywhere, and. Uh, I just get into this like just depressed induced rage mm-hmm. 
of things. A manic state. Oh, totally, totally. Mm -hmm. And uh, my mom comes home and, oh, my God, my poor mother, like, seeing that, I can't even imagine. And, um, you know, she's, you know, what do you want to do? I don't know what to do. And I was just like, I need to talk to my therapist. Right. You know, and it's late at night. Yeah. So she's on the phone and I'm, like, curled up in a ball on the kitchen floor. And she's, you know, well, you know, there's only a handful of things we can do. She goes, do you think you're going to hurt yourself? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, it's not off the books. <laughs> yeah. You I haven't know. exactly ruled it out. Yeah. So, so they, um, she says, all right, we're going to admit you into MHU, mental right. health unit at the hospital. So I go into the hospital and they obviously gave me something to chill me out. Right. And I wake up and there's, <laughs> I'm in the room by myself nothing in there and there's a guy in a desk at the door mm -hmm. and they call that level right. you're on level because they're afraid you're going to do gonna, something to yeah. yourself so i'm walking around with my buddy and yep. i'm on there for i think it was 48 hours yeah um until they seemed confident so like i couldn't shave i couldn't do anything right. if i peed or pooped standing right there yep. looking right at me you're not alone ever right it's this person that's on shift and so you know, I'm sitting there and I'm I'm so depressed because I'm just like that made me even more depressed. I'm yeah, like, holy like, crap! I'm like, I'm here. Yeah. Like this is this uh, how you know like how the hell did all of this happen? Right. Like it just I I could see it going, but it just came to a crash. And I'm like, fuck, man, I am here. Like, how the hell do I dick myself out of this? You know mm -hmm. what what's next? What do I do? How do I explain this to my family? How do I explain this to my friends? Like it's public. Yeah. yeah. It's not inside anymore. It's very yeah. outside, yeah. you know, and it's, it's, oh my God, it's exhausting. And so, uh, I would go around for walks and there was this one guy there who was, um, uh, like had Alzheimer's mm -hmm. big fucking dude, big mm -hmm. old white guy. And, uh, he had two orderlies walking by him all the time. And I was like, dude, what's up with that guy? He's like, ah, oh, that's Hank or whatever his yeah. name is. He's like, yeah, he can get a little mean. That's why those two guys are there. I'm like, really? Like, how mean? I'm like, well, if he lunges at you, he yeah. could lunge at you and he could bite you. And I was like, okay. I'm like, all right. Noted. Good safety tip. You know. Bitey. So walking, Stay away from bitey. Yeah. And, and that's where, again, I knew something was different because, like, in there I got along with everybody. Mm -hmm. But so I'm I'm in there and I'm on level and I could sit. With you know, I had to eat by myself and all that. Then after forty eight hours, I get a room. Mm -hmm. Cool part is two beds. I'm the only one in there. Nice. And now they had a little smoke room in there, and like I lived in that room and just oh, smoked sure. cigarettes. And yeah. it was literally, I'm not shitting you. It was like four foot by five foot. Yeah. And there'd just like be a closet. tons of us in there yeah. smoking, you know. And then they kick you out after a while, like, look, you gotta do arts and crafts and yeah. all the other you stuff. You can't and... just smoke your life away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, Well, you know. Can I try? Can I try? Because <laughs> everything else hasn't worked, you know. And uh so so I um I go God, this is so relieving to bring up, actually. It's amazing. I thought this would be a train wreck. It probably is, but anyhow. Um, so Proceed. I have my room and, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here meeting people and I'm really, and I'm around schizophrenics. Yep. I'm around all these people that got real fucking problems. Yeah. And I learned that real quick. Right. I was there a total of two weeks, mm -hmm. I think it's a long time ago, but, um, I was there a total of two weeks, but by like day 
two or three after I'm off a level. So mm-hmm. I'm there almost a week now. Right. I'm really looking around saying putting like the pieces together. I'm putting it all together. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, what? I'm like, OK, I've got stuff I got to work on. Right. You know, and every day I'm seeing a psychiatrist. Right. You know, yes. And that's uh, and, and he was the one that my therapist worked under. So it was right. actually yes. really great. So he would come and we'd talk things through and all that stuff. And, um, you know, I I didn't want people visiting me a lot. Like, right. Yeah. Like Topher visited me one day. Yeah. And that was rough. Like just to have him see like all that. Cause right. Yeah. It's not a place you want people no. around. Yeah. You know, you don't even want to be there. Right. And let um, alone have your friends yeah. see you there in it with like, those. Yeah, because yes. there's a room full of others, you yeah. know, and you'd have that old woman that'd be like, Here, can you sign this guest list? You know, it's everybody that's gonna go off on the rocket ship in every, you know, sixty yeah. minutes. And this chick would do this like every hour, mm-hmm. you know, just a new list. Yep. You know, all that. And, you know, it's the rocket ship and she'll be glad to tell you how far, you know, like where it's going. Right. Yes. And it's some planet you never heard of, mm-hmm. you know, but she's summered there like three times, you oh, know. Oh, nice. Yeah. No. And it's, it's sad, you know, cause like deep down you'd talk to them and they'd be very interesting people. Right. But then there's these huge, massive problems <laughs> in the way of them to even function. Yeah. You, know? you kind of can't ignore the no, rocket No, you can't ship. ignore like this yeah. stuff, you know. Yeah. And then you got violent people, you got people that are just on drugs and they're trying to kick it. You know, it's this pit of like people that no one wants to deal with, you know, in the hospital, you know. And uh, so then I got my room by myself and then this guy comes in at night and they throw him down on the bed, you know, Mm -hmm. probably how I got there unconscious, you know, and uh and then he wakes up the next morning and I was like, hey, man, I'm like, my name's Frank. He's like, I'm Gig. His name was Gig. And uh, like your typical like like short redneck dude, beard, yeah. you know, he's just like, yeah, my name's Gig. You know, I was like, hey, you know, I'm like, nice to meet you. You know, he's like, what are you here for? I'm like, dude, I'm just a fucking mess. You know, I yeah. was just blunt about it. I was like. I'm depressed. I was like, but I was already starting to come around. I was like, I'm depressed, but I'm like, I don't think I need to be here. You know, like yeah. I, I need to be somewhere else. And, and, um, I'm not as bad as I thought I was. And so this guy tells me the story. He's an alcoholic, been yeah. an alcoholic for years. And it started, uh, before the incident, but, but right. much yes. more after. So he goes, uh, he works on a farm. He's going to, uh, run the tractor out, get some crops and all that. Yeah. They got the pole barn. His dad's in the pole barn. Mm-hmm. And he says, well, he says, I'm going to hop on the tractor and I'm going to go working out in the field. He says, no problem. So his dad is sitting there where he goes and uh, something, he went to walk around and like kick something off the tractor or something like that behind it. Yeah. And the tractor's facing the pole barn, fields right. out the other yeah. way. He kicks it and somehow it pops into gear and it fucking runs over him. It runs over half his body. Mm-hmm. So it runs over his leg, up his body. And uh, it wasn't the side of his heart. It was the right. other side. And he turned his head and the wheel went like off the side of his head. Right. So he's just laying there. Yeah. He can't talk. He's all fucked up. And the tractor's going the wrong way. Right. It's going out to the field. So his dad's in a pole barn mm-hmm. and he's just thinking, hey, gig's out there working. Yeah. So he's just sitting there laying there suffering, like right. almost. And, and he nobody goes, knows. So then he's he's sitting there telling me, he goes, uh, he goes, yeah, he goes, I, I remember, you know, finally they came around me and I'm fading in and out. I'm fading yep. in and out. I was like, really? I'm like, you remember all that? He's like, I remember everything, he said. Yep. I was like, really? 
He goes, yep, I was in the ambulance and I could hear we're losing them. We're losing them. Mm-hmm. I could hear the flat line. Yep. I could hear them trying to get me back. Yep. You know, I was like, really? And then so he starts telling me this like after death experience he's having. Right. And it was like stuff with Christ and all that yeah. stuff. And that's why it kind of never really left me a bit because yeah. it's these type of stories mm-hmm. that I'd hear. And so I'm sitting there looking at this guy and I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, so then um, he says, yeah, they get me into the hospital. And he goes, uh, the um, the drugs that they would use for pain, they couldn't because, like, only a quarter of his heart was working. Like, his body would shut down. Right. So he had to do all that shit without pain meds yep. and all that. So then get to the whole beginning of all this with Patsy Cline in the car crash. I said, well, man, that's crazy. He goes, yeah. He goes, but after something like that, he goes, I felt like I was bulletproof. I felt I could cheat death. Mm-hmm. I felt like nothing could touch me. Mm-hmm. You know, and he was just drunk, you know, yeah. and he would drink and he'd just, you know, take a bunch of chances and a bunch of risk and mm-hmm. car crashes. And he says, and then like each bad thing that was happening that he lived from mm-hmm. further proved his point, point. Yeah. you know, and like this whole vicious cycle. He goes, yeah, he goes, so I come in here like every two months to sober up and then, you know, I'm back out again and all this other stuff. It was a sad story, really sad, you know. But that was a big moment that changed my life, you know. Yeah. And I remember walking out of there and I was like, all right. I'm like, you know what? I've got a lot of problems. I got to work them out. Right. It's going to take time. But I I don't have that. But I don't have this shit going on. Yeah. And I think that's a big problem right now. Yes. You know, I, I, I take mental illness seriously. Yes. I really, really do. But what people have to fucking understand, and this is where I'm going to get a little less friendly about it. Yeah. Is there is different levels of mental illness. Yes. There's people that have mental illness that you can't do a fucking thing for. Right. And they just exist. And mm-hmm. that's schizophrenics. We talk about it a lot yeah. on the podcast. 30 years, 40 years. Yeah. And schizophrenics have gone nowhere no. as far as treatment and yeah. all this other stuff. I mean, stuff. they have the drugs, but they're, yeah, they, they only the drugs, work but, if they take them. Well, yeah. And even that, it's a little mm-hmm. rough, you know. And granted, there's some banner stories, but I'm talking about the averages. Yeah. You know, and and then you've got some people that are in bad shape, but they don't want to help themselves. Mm-hmm. The gigs. Yeah. Who sit there and just, I'm going to keep drinking. Fuck you. And it's like, all right, then I shouldn't have to give a shit about you. Right. You I know don't. that's the most Christian thing to say, but you don't. Yeah. So I don't know how to help you other than to pray for you. Yeah. And hope you find yourself, mm-hmm. you know, and it's the same thing with depression, you know. I find it interesting that now depression is being pushed as a disease. How do you catch it if it's a disease? You know, how do you catch it? And the thing is, is you can sit there and say, oh, fuck you, Frank. It's like, I had it. Yeah. I know it. Yeah. I And, and I know the steps. Like, even now, I'm a very positive person, very mm-hmm. optimistic. But there's a dark side of me that I got to bury down Right. Into the darkness, literally. Right. Because if because you if let it. I let that, that's going to fucking rule my life. Mm-hmm. And I'll lose you. Mm-hmm. I'll lose my job. I'll lose yeah. my house. I know where that, I know where that goes. It goes right. to that room in the hospital. Right. Yes. That's what it taught me, you know, and, and that's where depression really gets at me or mental illness. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, you can't just blanket statement mental illness. Yeah. There needs to be a really concerted dialogue of the specifics of mental illness. What's treatable? What's not right, and 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 have a healthy dialogue with that, and we'll never have that. No. So now I got to treat the person that um, is self conscious of them in the mirror as the same as a schizophrenic. 
which is nuts. Yeah. You know, you're talking about two entirely different two things. totally different yeah. things. One's functional, one's not. Yeah. The other one is actually capable of helping themselves. The other one probably not. Right. Um. Yeah. You know, the other one just needs. I'm sorry, just to fucking smack in the face and say, look, yeah, life sucks. Yeah. I don't like what I see in the mirror either sometimes. Yeah. But you got to figure out how to like that fucking person. Yeah. You know, but then there's people that have real problems, you know, and this one guy like in there, he said he had a piece of metal in his shoulder and he wanted to get rid of it. And I was like, rid of the metal? He's like, no, just a whole fucking shoulder. I don't trust it. You know, just shit like that. Yeah. It's like, you know, that's a mental illness. You know, (laughs) that's a problem. That's a real big problem. And it's not a disease. You don't catch that. Like, there's just something wrong with him. And either either you got to sit and convince this guy that he needs a shoulder Mm -hmm. and that all of this is in his head and and to just kind of maneuver around that or. You got to keep a close eye on this fucking guy. Right. You know, he's going to take off his shoulder because he doesn't trust At one point or another, yeah, yeah, you know, he might do it himself. So, yeah, that was. (laughs) So if you ever tell me I'm crazy. Okay. I got papers that show that That I'm not. That says you're not. Yes. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I also can confirm when you were talking about how, you know, not knowing how to relate in uh, relationships mm, or mm-hmm. cope in a relationship. Yeah. You do have some Sheldon tendencies, if you will, yeah. where you're like, they're there. <laughs> yeah, and then there are yeah. other times where you're like, yeah. you're the guy, like, you can depend on you. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, you can see the residuals. No, it was it was tough. Because I was an only, I was, I wasn't an only child, but all my siblings were older, much older, and they were gone. Yeah. So I didn't really have anyone to relate to at the house. No. Um, I didn't have like a sibling I could bounce a lot of shit off of. Right. So everything was really kind of self discovery. Mm-hmm. That's a hard road to go down because you find out pretty much everything the hard way. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's either very embarrassing in front of a bunch of people or your mm-hmm. support friend group. You know, yeah. Um, or it's by yourself and you're just humiliated as well. Um, but yeah, it's never like a lot of things that I encountered for the first time weren't really like spectacular. You know, <laughs> it was just like, oh, that's uh, you know, that, oh. that's what happens when you touch that, or that's what yeah. happens when you do this. Okay, you know, noted. Or, yeah. Okay, so people can get pissed off around me. I still haven't figured out why yet, but <laughs> but I know it must be something I'm saying because they all get pissed off at me. You know. <laughs> Oh, so I can't be truthful totally with a woman. I got to lie to him. Like, a little bit? I, I don't get the rules. You know, I, yeah, I don't <laughs> yeah. understand the rules. And yeah. And then what happens is, is you get a person that either just says, fuck it, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Or you get somebody who internalizes all that. And then they become their own worst enemy. Right. I unfortunately was the former or the, the latter, mm-hmm. you know, but I became the former, mm-hmm. you know, because after a while, yeah, you have to figure it out like. In this world, in this life, you have to just let it shrub off your shoulders. Right. Can't take it personal. Nope. Even something that somebody says to you, you know what? They're probably having a bad fucking day, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Water and, off a duck's back. Water off a duck's yeah, back. Yeah. yeah. Just smile like an otter, you know? Just have the life of an otter. Just wake up and be like, you know what? Just going to enjoy the sun. <laughs> just going to hold your hand and we're yeah. just going to swim. We're going to swim. <laughs> It's gonna, actually more like floating. Yeah, float, you know, <laughs> maybe on my back and, you know, swim on my tummy for a while, you know. 
Yeah, it just uh, I look back at it, and that's where it's 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 a mixed thing. Like that incident at the MHU was literally the best thing that could have happened to me. It was the worst thing, right? But but ultimately, at the end of the day, and this is where I see a divinity in life, mm-hmm. where help comes in the most unusual places. Yes. I'm hate to get all Gandalf, you know, about, you know, hobbits saving the world and everything, but, but help does come in the most strangest places. And, and if you're down and out and you're ready to just admit yourself, you know, that's where I realized my pride was a real dangerous thing I had, mm-hmm. you know, my pride and ability to admit that I was wrong. Cause I didn't want to admit I was wrong because then people would think I was some sort of fraud or any or of this other than, stuff or yeah. less than, you know, whatever it is that they could, current time and i see a lot of people struggle with that now and that just further proves to me that mental health treatment has gone fucking nowhere for the last 20 years in my existence and then you yeah. roll back even further and it still has it yeah no. but yet they can stand up there and act like they know exactly what the fuck they're talking about what mm-hmm. they're doing blah 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 and Got it's all like all the answers it's like all no the questions. you don't have all the fucking answers you no. know at the end of the day, they just you got to plow through it. For all the things that medicine knows about the human body, mm-hmm. the brain, they know the least about. Yeah, yeah. The most important and most complex yeah. organ in the body. No, it's... They know the least And the older about. you get, the more you really start to see that. Yeah. You know, and uh, not to say that people don't get treated, you know, because I eventually went back to the same therapist. Mm-hmm. And I remember she was trying to push the drugs, you know, and I was like, nah, I just want to talk this out. Yeah, I got to you know, figure this out. I've got to talk out all these things, you know. And so I did that for about a year. It was expensive. Um, I didn't have a lot, mm-hmm. but that was the one thing I looked at. I was like, I'm going to invest in me. Yeah. And that's how I looked at it. It was an investment in me every single, I started with one appointment a week and um, and then it moved to one appointment every two weeks and mm-hmm. one appointment a month. And it took like a couple of years and it was just getting into the dirt right? on all this stuff and, and like your why it happened it. and like these reactions that I have to think like, why do I react that way? Why am I going after the same fucking chick? You right. know, yeah. <laughs> like just yeah. all these crazy things, you know, and then you got to carry that with you. And then I've said it before in other episodes and I'll say it till the day I die. Depression is a beast that you feed. Right. If you don't feed the beast, the beast doesn't exist. Right. The beast dies. You feed the beast and it's going to Yeah. It's going to take it you thrives. out. It's yeah. going to take you out. And uh and that's my simple one statement thing about depression, you know. And people that are in it don't get it. Right. And I know why they don't get it cuz they're in the way mm-hmm. and and they don't think it's that easy, you know. Right. But once you get all your dependencies out of the way and like all your kind of triggers, you know, mm-hmm. they'll call them. Yeah. You know, once you get that kind of managed and you say, yeah, that's a trigger. I can't feed that. That's a trigger. I can't feed that. Somebody says this whole thing. I got to get away from that person. Just, you know. Yeah. So huh. back to um, inspiring uh, plane crashes. Right. October 21st, <laughs> 1977. Lead singer Ronnie Van Zant and yeah. guitarist Stevie Gaines of the rock band Leonard Skinner died in a plane crash in McComb, Mississippi. And I couldn't bring myself to get more details. Yeah. Did you? Um, I didn't look them up because okay. I, I thought you were going to. Yeah. So I did somebody the, different. The but. way I the way I looked at it is there's been so much said and yeah. done 
about mm-hmm. that crash. Yeah. And I just couldn't bring myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to uh to search. No, it's um you know, again, people that had a lot of run-ins with the law, again, people taking yeah. chances, you know. Yep. And and you know, you can take a lot of chances and and squeak through them, but you're running the risk right of of something happening, right. you know. March 19th, 1982, Randall, Randy Rhodes, lead guitarist in rock band Ozzy Osbourne's band, along with two others, were killed when their Beechcraft Bonanza allegedly flew too low while buzzing a band van on tour in Leesburg, Florida. So here's a story of this. So instead of buzzing the tower, they were buzzing a tour yeah. bus. So here's the here's the story with that because you have Randy Rhodes. Like, yes. if you haven't heard of Randy Rhodes, I would gu- implore everybody to listen to Ozzy Osbourne tribute, and it's the tribute with Randy Rhodes and Randy Rhodes's plan. Phenomenal guitarist. Mm-hmm. So Randy Rhodes used to play for Quiet Riot. Okay. And uh, and then he um, Ozzy leaves Black Sabbath, and yep. he's trying to get a band together, and so he's going through guitarists. Right. And he's going to check him out. Randy Rhodes shows up for tryouts with a Les Paul and a practice amp. No pedals, no nothing. Randy Rhodes just playing scales, you know, just kind of just noodling. He didn't even get yeah. into playing anything. Ozzy's in the control room, so he can't even see Ozzy. He didn't even meet Ozzy that right. day. And uh, the guy comes up and just says, you're it. And he's like, really? You know, so what do we do? You know, so like days later, he eventually meets Ozzy, right, plays with yeah. Ozzy. Ozzy was blown away. And they said he was also drunk off his ass. Right. Yeah. Day that ends in Y. Yep. You know, and um, but he really could play. So they start going through this tour. Mm-hmm. You know, they um, started off with the album, uh, The Blizzard of Oz. Yep. And then uh, they did Diary of a Madman. And they're going on tour. They're doing all this stuff. And uh, they're driving uh, much of the night on a bus, and they stop at uh, what was called Flying Baron Estates in Leesburg, Florida. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they were going to fix this, like, air conditioner that was malfunctioning. Malfunctioning, yeah. So Osborne's uh, sleeping in the bus. And then on the property um, owned by the Calhoun Brothers Tour Bus Company, there was an airstrip with helicopters and small planes. So without permission... The tour bus driver and a private pilot, uh, Andrew Acock, took a single-engine Beechcraft. Um, and on the first flight, they took the keyboardist and the tour manager and um, I think some uh, one other guy's passengers. And so as they're flying, they're trying to buzz the bus right. to wake up the drummer, Tommy Aldridge. So, like, I was a huge fan of Ozzy. Yep. I was a huge fan of Tommy Aldridge because he's an incredible drummer. And you got Randy Rhodes here, like, like totally nuts. And then uh, the group landed, and the second flight took off, and that was with Rhodes, makeup artist, and um, I think that was it. There might have been someone else there. Rhodes did, doesn't even like flying. He didn't like flying at all. He was yeah. afraid of it. But he wanted to take aerial photos mm-hmm. and send them back to the mother. Right. So they start buzzing the tour bus. Now, there's this crazy story that um, there was uh, um, this guy. I can't remember who it was. Um, I think, yeah, it was the keyboardist that went on the first one. And he grabbed his camera and he was going to take photos to give to 
Rhodes later. Right, yeah. In the airplane. And he had his telephoto lens on, and he could see his struggle with Rhodes and the guy flying. Mm -hmm. So it looked like, you know, the way they were insinuating it was that, like, he was trying to get him to stop doing shit, you know. Um, The wing clips the bus and crashes, and it's just this terrible crash. Now, I remember when this happened because the big question was, because news bit different than than it was now. Yeah. You got like little fragments of things. Right. So everybody's freaking out. Was Ozzy killed? Right. Yeah. Was Tommy it was the whole band killed. Like yeah. was the What like, happened? They had no idea. And so you had like Black Sabbath, they were like, holy shit, did Ozzy die? And like right. all this type of stuff. It was bonanzas. And then, you know, all the rumors would go around his mm-hmm. stuff. And and then he eventually found out, yeah, that it was Randy Rhodes. And then like the worst part, and I just can't even imagine this, like Randy Rhodes' girlfriend's driving in the car, like, somewhere else because Mm -hmm. he's on tour. She's driving a car, and they're playing, like, three Aussie tunes. Mm -hmm. And after the, like, second or third tune, she learns of the crash of her boyfriend dying. Right. And, yeah, she said, like, pulled over and just, like, lost it. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I couldn't even imagine, like, getting the news. Like, I couldn't imagine getting news of something happening to you while I'm in the car. Right. Like, driving somewhere on the radio while everyone else is learning about it. Like, holy crap. That would just be terrible. Just terrible. Yeah. 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 Well, we're married, so (laughs) you're next of kin. So if they're talking about my death and you don't know, Mm -hmm. that's a problem. Yeah. December 31st, Mm -hmm. 1985. Rick Nelson yeah. from Ozzy and Harriet, TV star turned rock and roller, died when his plane caught fire and crashed near DeKalb, Texas. Also, I believe he's the dad to the Nelson twins of After the Rain fame. Yeah, yeah. Matthew and Gunner Nelson. Matthew and Gunner. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was a uh, emergency landing uh, that they were doing uh, with the plane because uh, of mechanical problems. Yeah. So this one wasn't the weather. <laughs> Same as the other one wasn't the weather, but uh, there was actually a fire yeah. in there from a defective heater yep. in the tail of the plane. I wonder if that would have been caught by the thirty-five uh, point checklist. The checklist. I don't know. I'm not an aviation expert. Oh, I'm sorry. It was a fifty-point yeah. checklist. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. But the, yeah, the heater caught fire and it filled the cabin with fumes. Both the pilots survived in that crash, by the way, hmm. and seven passengers died. Right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. March 21st, 1987. Yeah. Dean Paul Martin, former member of the 1960s band Dino, Desi and Billy, mm-hmm. and son of entertainer Dean Martin, was killed with his co-pilot. The two were flying an F-4 Phantom and were members of the California Air National Guard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sad stuff. August 27th, yeah. 1990. Blues guitarist Stevie Ray Vaughan died when his helicopter crashed into a hill in East Troy, Wisconsin, after departing from a concert. An ice-cool Texan with a Fender Stratocaster and a black cowboy hat, Stevie Ray Vaughan was one of the, the most influential musicians of the 1980s. With his band Double Trouble, he spearheaded a blues revival during the era of Duran Duran and MTV attracting attention from the likes of David Bowie and Eric Clapton along the way. It was the latter who invited Vaughn and Double Trouble to support him 
at a pair of shows at the Apple Valley Music Theater in East Troy, Wisconsin, in August of 1990. Within minutes of leaving the venue, he was dead, victim of a calamitous helicopter crash, Lieutenant David Starks said. When they got to the top of the hill, I think about 6.30 a.m., they looked down and saw where the helicopter had impacted. It's no more than a half mile from the back of the theater, but you can't see it because of the terrain. The helicopter rotor blades actually hit the ski lift cable behind the resort about three quarters of the way to the top. When those rotor blades stopped, their energy was transmitted into the body of the helicopter, which would then start to turn. And from measurements and observations, they were all thrown out of the helicopter as it came apart. The helicopter did not explode, but all the aircraft fuel was spread all over the area. It covered the debris, the ground, and the bodies. Yeah, that was, I remember hearing that news and being just devastated because like he was the thing. Yeah. Like everybody talks about how great Eric Clapton is. Mm -hmm. Everybody talks about how great Jimi Hendrix was. Mm -hmm. And I mean, granted, the influences are everywhere, but you even like get these blues greats that talk about him Mm -hmm. and they're like, he made it look so freaking effortless. Yep. And the crazy part is, is I mean, talk about somebody who had a drug and alcohol problem. I mean, unreal. Like, I'm amazed that he could just even play, let alone to that ability. Right. I was reading uh, a bit more on this, and I always just seem to learn something new about Stevie Ray Vaughan every time I look every into his you story. Deep. You know, and so when he was six years old, he began stealing his father's drinks. And... um he started making his own drinks and he said that early, that's what resulted in his alcohol dependence. I'm sure. You know, that early he explained that, uh, you know, like his parents would be gone and, you know, he would just make it all the stuff and he thought it was cool. And he thought the kids down the street would be cool, you know, and all that. And, um, he, he also said he first experienced the effects of cocaine, when a doctor prescribed him a liquid solution containing it as a nasal spray. And um, that was the earliest that he was using that mm-hmm. in like 1975. Um, and I mean, he used a bunch of other stuff like, you know, obviously weed, but like methamphetamine and quaaludes and all that type of stuff. Uh, but like whiskey and like cocaine was like his, his thing. Were his jam. Yeah. And especially mixing them you know, together. And uh, they said that at the height of his substance abuse, brace yourself for this. I don't know if I'm ready. He would drink a quart of whiskey and and one quarter of an ounce, that's seven grams of cocaine a day. Every single day. He had to have no cartilage left in his nose. So basically um, his personal assistant, was saying, I would make sure he would eat breakfast instead of waking up and drinking every morning, which was probably the worst thing he was doing. And then, um, according to Vaughn himself, he said it got to the point where if he tried to say hi to somebody, he would just fall apart crying. You know, like he was just a wreck, Ugh. just a total wreck. And so eventually, they, um, he had like a near death ex- experience in like Germany. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was uh, like extreme dehydration. And um, right after that, he checked into a clinic. And um, the doctor who was in care of him in London 
said that he was literally like a month away from death. Yeah. So like that's what a lot of people don't understand either is like the drugs almost got him right before the the helicopter crash. Right. Now the crazy and this is the sad part of it is is he checked into rehab uh in Austin and like started cleaning up. Yeah. And uh there's an album I forget the name of it but that album is like he was clean. Mm-hmm. And it was some of his like best stuff, right. you know, which is just such a a tragedy in its own right. But there's a show that's called Live in El Macambo. Mm-hmm. And it's an amazing show. Like he's ruthless in it on the guitar right. singing. And then I hear an interview from the bass guitar player. And he goes, yeah, he goes, we had our eyes on him the whole night. He goes, because he had enough cocaine to kill a horse. And I was like, I can't even imagine being on the roller coaster ride of something like that, where you're playing on at a bar, mm-hmm. you know, or a club, whatever, whatever. it was. You're playing. You're playing. And you're the whole time you're sitting here expecting him to fall over and die. Right. Like, what a just fucking crazy scenario, like, yeah. to be in. It's, it's, it's unreal. It's shitty as hell, too. Yeah. And then you hear the stories of the actual death, and that's where, um, like, Buddy Guy, uh, Eric Clapton, and him are playing at this festival thing. Yeah. And there, you hear a ton of stories on this. I don't know which ones are true, but there's one famous story where they say that uh, the best person who was going to play, the three of them would judge it. Mm-hmm. You know, the best ones that would play, they were going to get, like, the helicopter right out of there. Because where they were playing, the problem was is the, there was only one way to get into the venue. Mm-hmm. So they had the helicopters to fly them out. Otherwise, they're stuck in there with the fans right, and yeah. all that. And um, so, yeah, he ended up playing the best or something like that. And they said, well, yeah, we'll have you do the ride. Inclement weather, again, yep. the fog and all that other stuff. Um, and, yeah, there was the crash. No, it was terrible. Absolutely terrible. October 25th, 1991. Bill Graham, who built an empire promoting concerts as rock and roll turned psychedelic in the 1960s, with groups including Jefferson Airplane, The Grateful Dead, and Santana, was killed in a helicopter crash near Vallejo, California. Mm. October 12th, 1997, John Denver, 1970s superstar with hits like Take Me Home, Country Roads, died in the crash of his experimental plane off the California coast. On October 12, 1997, at 5.28 Pacific Daylight Time, John Denver's experimental category amateur-built long easy plane kit N555JD crashed into the Pacific Ocean near Pacific Grove in California. According to the 1999 final report of the National Transportation Safety Board, Air traffic control communications indicated that Denver's plane departed for a local personal flight from the Monterey Peninsula's runway around 5.12 in the afternoon. The singer, who was the pilot and only passenger, performed a total of three touch-and-go landings, then departed to the west prior to the accident. He made no distress calls, and minutes later he was found dead and his airplane destroyed. The wreckage was found within 150 yards from the rocky shoreline in 30 feet of water. Yeah, he wasn't even uh, legally permitted to fly at the time of that crash. Awesome. Um, yeah, because he he had a lot of drunk driving arrests. 
leading up to that. And um, they won't let me drive on the road, man. Yeah. I'm just going to fly. Yeah. The FFA learned that he failed to maintain sobriety and stuff. So they revoked his license, his medical certification, Mm -hmm. because you got to have a medical certification for your license and all that. And um, they said that the accident wasn't induced by it. They couldn't find any like alcohol or drugs in his body. But yeah, it's the um, I think that's where you get to a point where you're yeah, you're taking risks and, you know. If you increase the chances, well, it gets a little wonky, as you would say. <laughs> Maybe don't do that. Yeah, yeah. October 25th, 2001. I remember this explicitly. Yeah. Actress and R&B singer Aaliyah was killed in a plane crash in the Bahamas along with eight others. The twin-engine Cessna went down shortly after takeoff. Aaliyah was unstoppable in the few short years before her death. Her follow-up album, One in a Million, went double platinum. Her Anastasia theme song received an Oscar nomination. She got her first Grammy nod in 1998 and became a bona fide movie star with Romeo Must Die and the Queen of the Damned. However, on October 25, 2001, she wrapped a music video with director Hype Williams in the Bahamas, Abaco Islands, and her team was eager to return to Florida. Aaliyah's plane crash occurred within feet of Marsh Harbor Airport, and Aaliyah died on impact after being thrown 20 feet from the fuselage. A shining star snuffed out at the height of her brilliance. Yeah, and they said that the um, pilot had traces of uh, alcohol and cocaine in awesome. the system. So, And she know. hated to fly. Like yeah. She was not a big fan of it, and she didn't want to take the flight. And they talked her into it, if I yeah. remember correctly, from the uh, doc we watched. Yeah, well, um, the aircraft was also overloaded. Awesome. Yep. By and, and not, like, by, like, one dude, tiny. Yeah, no. You know, it was, like, 700 pounds, like, almost to a ton yeah. of extra weight that mm-hmm. they, it was an overcrowded plane. So, yeah, you got an overcrowded plane, you got a pilot that, you know, Right. It's probably on alcohol and cocaine or right. yeah. or coming off of it, whatever, you know. But yeah, I remember I remember that and that was that was devastating because man, I had a I had I, I had a crush on that. You girl, and boy. just about every hot blooded American male. Yeah. I, I would say just about every hot blooded male. Yeah, I yeah. hope half the hot blooded chicks do too, boy, because I mean, yeah. Yeah. She, yeah. Yeah. she was gorgeous. Yeah, great. Oh my god, great voice. Queen of the damned. Great voice and singer, and you know, and really just an interesting story. She uh, she was born in Brooklyn, raised in Detroit, mm-hmm. and uh, she got her recognition at ten years old on Star Search. Good honor. Yeah, and then she performed uh, on Star Search. She performed in concert along Gladys Knight. Wow. Um, yeah, at age 12, she signed with Jive Records, and um, <laughs> she was introduced to R. Kelly, and well, yeah. we know how we know that how goes. That went. Yeah, yeah. That asshole's going to get his own episode, because if yeah. he's not a horror, yeah. I don't know what is. Yeah, no, next year. It's uh... <sighs> November 24th, 2001, Melanie Thornton, half of the pop duo La Bouche, which had 1990s hits such as Be My Lover and Sweet Dreams died in an air pl- airline crash in Switzerland. Yeah, yeah. February 12, 2009. 
two members of jazz musician Chuck Mangione's band, Jerry Nywood and Coleman Mellett, were killed in a commuter plane crash outside Buffalo, New York, along with 48 others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just gave you a bunch of downers. Yeah. How about we discuss some musicians who survived yeah. some pretty horrific Let's blast through crashes. those quick. Alan Collins was one of the founding members and guitarist for the Southern rock band Leonard Skinnerd. And when, on October 20th, 1977, Collins, along with the rest of the band, would be involved in a plane crash in a Mississippi forest that resulted in the death of three band members. Miraculously, Collins survived the crash. However, the guitarist would sustain serious injuries to two of his vertebrae and his right arm. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, the guitarist would experience another incident involving uh, a crash, a car accident that would result in paralysis before his death in 1990. Mm. I mean, so kind of not. I was going to say. But wait, there's more. Oh. Paul Abdul was one of the hottest pop singers of the late 80s, early 90s. You got great spirit. Exactly. <laughs> the future American Idol host would be involved in a plane crash in 1992 during her Spellbound tour. In an interview for Yahoo, Abdul said, I was really injured. I mean, I had a spinal cord injury and nerve damage. I started losing all feeling on my right side, and I was starting to really live in excruciating pain. That's probably when she turned to She's the alcohol and the up on the drugs and all that, yeah. In 2008, Ed Robertson of the Bare Naked Lady survived a Cessna 206 float plane crash in southeastern Ontario, Canada. The plane experienced an engine stall before having to perform an emergency landing near a tree-lined area just north of Bancroft, Ontario. Tough break, eh? Robertson, who was piloting the plane, walked away from the crash without injury. Nuts. Travis Barker, famed yeah. drummer for such acts as Blink-182 and TRV, money sign, DJ, DJM, plus 44, etc., was involved in a plane crash in 2008. The drummer was aboard a private Learjet headed for a show with Trev-Dig-Jim when the plane's tire blew out, causing it to careen through the airport's fence and crash. Mm. Travis survived, but had to endure 16 surgeries, which included numerous skin grafts. While fans have praised the artist braving a plane trip with his lady love, Kourtney Kardashian, to Mexico, after narrowly escaping death more than 10 years ago, the memory of the tragedy has mm. stuck with him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So let's talk about bandmate DJM, a.k.a. Adam Goldstein. Dude, just you're Adam, okay? Yeah. Goldstein and Barker were the only survivors of the Learjet crash. In an interview with Access Online, Goldstein would talk of his experience. When the plane was on the runway, I took my shoes off and fell asleep. Next thing I remember is us crashing into something. He continued, I woke up to Travis screaming and the plane engulfed in flames. I remember thinking it was like Miami Vice where a car's on fire and you run before the gas tank explodes. We got to get out of here. Sadly, DJM would pass away after an overdose the following year. <laughs> Sir Paul McCartney would find himself narrowly uh, avoiding a helicopter crash. Yes, helicopter is not a plane, but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. this was in 2012. While returning to his West 
Sussex estate, along with his wife, the former Beatles, helicopter would come mere feet away from the treetops below when the pilot lost sight of the helipad due to low visibility. The helicopter would subsequently land in a nearby airport, narrowly avoiding a heavily forested area in the process, and the incident would lead to an investigation by the government's Air Accidents Investigation Branch. Mm. U2's Bono had the luck of the Irish on his side in 2014 when he emerged from a terrifying incident unharmed. While 15,000 feet in the air, the Can't door ride a bike, though. of the singer's Learjet came loose and fell to the ground. The plane landed safely and no one was harmed. The event most certainly, you know, would have at least given him and his family pause. Like, hmm, maybe, <laughs> maybe that 50 point checklist is important. Yeah. And, you know, that's crazy because he had that bike accident and that was like in Central Park or something like that. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think he, Crashed with like another rider or something like that, and he, um, yeah, he's in surgery and shit like that. Like he's got so he doesn't like plates and screws. He doesn't and all do that uh, stuff. travel well. Well, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like you know, you could live in a, you could live from a airplane or helicopter crash, right. but then just riding a bike get fucked up. You know, right? Yeah, yeah, it's weird. I got one more. All right, Post Malone found himself in a nerve-wracking situation while on board a plane in 2018. The rapper, who, fun fact, has a fear of flying, yeah. was terrified when his plane was forced to perform an emergency landing after two of the plane's tires blew out. Malone would send a tweet out following the close call. Quote, I landed, guys. Thank you for your prayers. Can't believe how many people wish death on me on the website. Fuck you, but not today. End quote. <laughs> Yeah, I was never a big Post Malone fan. <laughs> Me neither. I'm glad our episode included him, but no. I mean, I'm hey. indifferent with him. That's yeah. my whole thing. Like, I don't have anything against him. Obviously, I don't wish him death on a, you know, aviation accident. I think the takeaway is don't tattoo your face. Oh, that's a big thing now. It's crazy. Don't tattoo your face. Yeah. You have to live in this world. At some point, you're going to have to get no, a job. But, but he's he's there fine. Are, he's fine with it. There are places that will yeah. not. He's let got millions you... of dollars. You know, he's okay. Which is, which okay, I, I got no problem whatever. with that. But like the kid that's like twenty, yeah, that you know his parents make a combined income of maybe like eighty thousand to one hundred twenty thousand mm-hmm. dollars a year, and you're gonna get tattoos on your face, and then you're gonna tell me how no one understands you and life. Yeah. Life's the fucking shit. Of, the you know, world's out like, to get you. Yeah, you're really stacking the deck there, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Couldn't yeah. have made it harder on yourself if you tried. No. I, you know, I'm a bad person with the whole tattoo thing because, like, I I love tattoos to a point. Yes. Same. But I don't really, at the end of the day, understand a tattoo because I don't have a single one on me. You know, and Nor I've always I. said, like, if I got one, I would probably get a ton of them. Right. You know, and I say that jokingly but also serious to a point but my whole thing is that's such a such a like in the moment emotional decision to me right to me it is you know yeah now i get like there's people that are like hey this is a whole story you know and they could go and tell you all this type of stuff and that's cool it's fine but Mm -hmm. you know what you ain't gonna touch these fucking things up and in 20 30 years it's just gonna be this blob yeah, you know, I think that's the 
that's the hard part for me. Yeah. Because there are some, I will admit, there are some absolutely gorgeous oh, they're amazing. and amazing tattoos yeah. that I've seen. No, undoubtedly. Especially when they're like just healed. Yeah. Arguably when it's at its best. Yeah. And then you see others that, you know, just the mere act of mm-hmm. living. Yeah. Takes an effect, you know. No, the and sun, I just like if it for could, us ladies if shaving. It could, if it could stay, yeah, relatively close to when you get it. Yeah, I yep. would, you know, I would even be more the fact that I would maybe want to be in shape more, right? You know, yeah. just to keep yep. that going. But oh yeah, it's just I, I don't get it. A lot of people do though, and you know, I'm not knocking it, but no. to me, it just seems like it's a. Like an instant emotional thing. And it most is. people that I talk to, they're like, well, I was into that then. Yeah. You know, and I was blah, 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 this. And, you know, I was drunk as fuck when I got that. Or, you know, uh, that was when I was into this chick. You know, what happened to her? Oh, I had like four others after that. You know, it's yeah. like, okay. Never get somebody's you know. name tattooed on you unless it's yeah. like a memorial tattoo and it's someone who's passed yeah. or your, ch- your kid. Yeah. And what gets me... Is do not put your significant other's name on your body. <laughs> that the token, fact it still has to be said is uh, frustrating. No, it's emotional. Yeah. You know, people just are ruled by their emotions, unfortunately. You know, and I'm not saying that you gotta yeah. be a cold hearted asshole, but you know, it just uh get ready for a difficult experience in your life, yeah. you know. And and I, I can't stand the social media posts where they'll show like this old person. It's generally a woman, but I've seen it with men and they got a ton of tattoos, you know, mm-hmm. and they're all those blotchy yep. kind of, you know, and it's this old person, big smile on their face. And there's always at least a few comments that say, well, I bet that person has a ton of great stories. And it's like, everyone has great stories. Yeah. Tattoos have nothing to fucking do with it. Like, yeah. what's the connection there? It's like. Yeah. You know, that I, does not, I that sit does there, not yeah. equal No, it's stuff stories, like that. Yeah. That's where I set my phone down. I'm like, I'm done with the internet for today. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to visit this yeah. tomorrow. And, and if know. the great story is I was drunk at this bar <laughs> and then got a tattoo, that's not a great story. Yeah. Or the tattoo is couldn't spell, you know. And I kind of actually, yeah. those what was are that my show? Favorite. What was that show we were watching? It was those Brits that did the tattoo repair oh tattoos you know when they were yeah but they would the fix tattoos. they would fix them yeah. oh my god it was so hysterical it was because you'd hear the story they would tell the and, story and they would sit there and they go yeah why but and these why are tattoo would you do that then? these are tattoo artists that <laughs> yeah. are like what the hell were yeah. you thinking you know yeah no i just yeah. listened to your story so and that's where <laughs> that's where i sit there and like i try not to be too preachy of it because i don't have tattoos no. so obviously i don't no. get it but i love hearing tattooed people bag on tattoos mm-hmm. you know and that's i try to be equal opportunity i try to bag on everyone right you know but yeah because i mean Shit out here, people love their fucking tattoos, boy. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, hey, if it makes you happy, you know, I mean, my problem it's better than beating your wife. <laughs> you've got a tattooed body and you're pulling out the EBT snap card. Yeah, that is a problem I had. Those tattoos are not cheap. That's a problem I had 
working. No, honestly, I mean, you really want to get to the heart of it. When I worked part time at the grocery store. Yeah. And I would sit there and I'd watch somebody throw an EBT card out. Yeah. And they literally have like five, six hundred dollars worth of tattoos on them. You know. Yeah. And and or I'm just more. No, I, that, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like five five hundred dollars or more worth of tattoos. Yeah. I'm just sitting there shaking my head. I'm like, you know what? I I just can't. You know, I you know, and I get it. Some people just you know, I've get it through. I've gotten it through my life that people just there are people that make terrible decisions. Yeah. You know, and unfortunately, they have to live with them for the rest of their life. Yeah. Yep. You know, um, some learn from it, some don't. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that gets back to the whole MHU thing where you've got people that have real problems. Right. You got people that have problems that are solvable. You got other problems where people just need to, for lack of a better term, fucking suck it up. Right. Yes. You know, and just get fucking rolling with life. You know, but. Yeah, some mistakes are temporary, like a tattoo, mm-hmm. you know, and other mm-hmm. mistakes are not so temporarily, you know. Yeah. Like choosing who you're going to trust your whole, uh, you know, money and house and income and everything with, you know, and then they bleed you dry and take half of everything you got, you know. Right. Um, you know, or you pick the wrong person to just be with or make big decisions with, mm-hmm. you know. Um, that's a, you know, yeah, it's, that's a... A whole separate topic together. But speaking of cool topics. <laughs> I'm pretty proud of this The one. closer for music, July. The end of my birthday month. <laughs> yes. What do we got? Viking death metal. I know. Ah, I am so, so excited. excited. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to find some Viking death metal for intro and outro. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, to kind of show, we're just going to. Figure out how the hell did this start? Yeah. Where'd it go? If you yeah. don't know about Viking death metal, buckle up. Check it out. This. Check it out. Yeah. This. Yep. So that's going to. Holy gonna, cow. That's going to close. Uh, that closes out July. Yep. Monthly uh, or music month July, which uh, I like. I love it. Yeah. I love it. You know, because, well, after that. We're rolling into August, and we're getting we're into getting close. Getting into the the season. I am um, keeping that in mind. I stacked our episodes in such a way that I'm building us to our Super Bowl, yeah. which is the month of October. Yeah. So I kind of feel July, August, and September are ramping up. Yeah. August For, and September definitely do. I, know. I think I, I've No, because I find the first half of the year we get into stuff and then yep. like, I like the July music month because it's kind of a break yeah. like from everything else, yep. you know. And then, yeah, then we get into it yeah. in, in August and, guys, and really crank we're up going and, deep in the paint. That's awesome. I can't wait. It's the, a uh, pretty, yeah. it's a pretty cool lineup so, we got So Viking coming. Death Metal next yes. week. And, um. Uh, as always, if you have any ideas for episodes or things you'd like us to check out, you can uh, reach out to us in the Facebook group or sure our Instagram account yep. or our email address at O-T-H, O-T-H at seriouslydecent.com. Woo! Yeah. Did that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, please do. And as always, thank you for listening. Uh, yeah. Please, you know, post it on your um, your feeds. Your you socials. Know. Yeah, post either our uh, our website address or... Our episode that you're or currently listening to. Or even if it's just to, to be or... like, guys. Yeah, check I it mean, out. I yeah. mean, check this out. 
Even if you don't particularly yeah. like us, you could be like, oh, my God, check out this train wreck. Yeah. No, it's 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 your word of mouth. That has gotten us this far. That has gotten us this far. And it's crazy. Yeah. Because we're nobodies. We're not famous. Well, we're nobodies, but we're we're climbing up there. I mean, it's. We might one day be famous I for hope. this. Uh, for, yeah. I really <laughs> want to be careful what I want to be famous about. Now, I've always wanted, even when I was playing music and stuff like that, I always just wanted to be around a group of people that are into it. Right. Yes. Like, I don't want to do things like the moment I'm it doing something and it becomes yeah. like a, no, it's a fatty type, you know, like, oh, yeah. You know, oh, I, you know, nope, I'm done. Yep. You know, um, and that's what I love about this is like people I meet that aren't, haven't listened to it. Mm hmm. But are like, oh, I really want to check that out, you know, and I like that enthusiasm. And then, and even if you're not into horror, there are other there's things some here. things, but yeah. you really got to kind of be in the horror. We're we're in the horror niche, you know. We and are. It's, uh, um, but yeah, you know. And then there's the kind of comments of just saying, yeah, I love the love the podcast, blah mm-hmm. blah blah. You know, it's, it's you guys it's really love your cults. You know? I'm not sure how I feel about that. No, I think they're. Interesting I think that's as a fuck, cult man. in and of itself that uh, you love these cult personally, stories so I could, much. <laughs> I could just do an all cult podcast. I really could. <laughs> I mean, they wear on you after a while, um, but they're hard to research. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Because you're just like, oh. Oh, you could have made such a better choice. I think the tough part is, and this is what's going to happen, you know, not to get too um, unraveling of things that are happening in the future, but um, there's so many new ones that are out. Like it just, it just doesn't stop. It's just going to keep going. Yeah. And I said it before on previous episodes. I think the climate of people now, the desperation of Mm -hmm. people, I think, you know, there's a lot to be said. I forget the exact quote. But it was along the lines, um, I I forget who said it. I really don't mean the disrespect, but, you know, we're a worshiping species, mm-hmm. whether you like it or not. Right, yeah. You know, yep. and and you got to decide what you want to worship. Yep. Because that's going to take you where you go. Right, yeah. Ultimately, yep. that's going to be your compass, you know. So if you worship some sort of deity, it better be a pretty good deity. Right. It better be a good role model mm-hmm. and better have good rules in it because if you go the wrong way yeah. and and believe in something that's not good for you you're going down a really really rough path and then there's basically worshiping yourself yeah you know and using yourself as a lead and that's a real tough situation and that's where i think we're going to see more and more of these cults the next few years. I think Agreed. I think there's going to be a big resurgence of it. Um, there's one in Kenya that we're getting yeah. all the facts on. Um, it's coming up, know. guys. So if you're going to send a message with that, we're looking into it. You yeah. know, but uh, yeah. but if you find a cool article on it, please send it over because uh, yep. I'd love to see it. Because yeah, that's one we're kind of sinking the hooks in and seeing. It's coming up. You know when we want to place it, but. With that being said, Viking Death Metal next week. Yes. Thank you for everything. Yep. Rule number one. No Ouija boards. Number two. No dolls. Three. No capes. Four. No blood rituals. Five. No cults, satanic or otherwise. Number six. No apathy. You need to act to help enact a positive change in this world. Yeah. Do some good things. Put some some change in the penny jar. Next rule. 
Don't engage with the black-eyed children, black-eyed people, beings, black-eyed animals. Yeah. Beings, period. Entities, whatever yeah, you want to yeah. call it. Mm-hmm. You need you need to see the whites, the iris, the pupil, like yeah. an eye. Yeah. Eye, like it's supposed to be. And for those that have a hard time paying attention, what's the next one? Just listen. <laughs> Yes, thank you so much. And we look forward to uh, going through uh, Viking death metal and closing up uh, Music Month July. And uh, we hope you had a great time as we have so far. And it's been fun, man. It sure has. So we hope you have an amazing day, a lovely week. And make good choices, man. <laughs> Take care.